Rise and Shine Pinchers, welcome back to another episode of Just a Quick Pinch. I'm your host, Connie Wang. Alrighty, you guys, I'm so excited for you guys to hear today's episode. I know I say this about every episode, but this episode is key. You want to know why? Okay, so I feel like we all probably took the same class in like the third, maybe not third, maybe like eighth grade or something, where we learned about how to set SMART goals or like good goals or whatever it was, like SMART, like actionable, achievable, timely goals, right? In school, we're taught like your, your goals need to be precise, they need to be measurable, they need to be like timely, all these things. Well, turns out <clears throat> school was wrong, Okay. One of the things that I didn't realize until I started working with my nervous system coach, Masha, is how we could be making really misaligned goals, goals that are not accurate reflections of where we want to go and who we want to be and how we want to show up in the world, but we make them because of the state that we're in. So if you're not in the most aligned, optimal, authentic state, then you're not going to be making the most optimal aligned goals as well. And so this episode kind of tells you how to tell if your goals have been misaligned, why that will hold you back from where you want to go and instead how to get to a place where you are making goals that are accurate reflections of who you want to be and how you want to show up and we also go over our triggers and how to heal our internal wounds and how that might be showing up in your day-to-day -day. so today's episode is a game changer as always here is part two with my nervous system coach masha k <laughs> Where I, I've noticed I've changed is now I get really excited whenever I feel like triggered by something because in the past I would feel like that shame from being triggered something would happen and I'd be like oh I feel embarrassed that I feel this way or like I shouldn't feel this way or I would just like sit in my uncomfortable feelings that the trigger gave me now when I get triggered I get excited because even though it's like that temporary feeling of frustration or upset I'm like oh this is good this is good Connie let's unpack this because I know that on the other side of this discomfort uncomfortable and feeling I know on the other side is me like just becoming more involved and and un unpacking more so can you go into like the relationship between triggers and like the protective parts we talked about and befriending yeah oh I love that you said that because honestly if there's like one thing just one thing I had to name that I want my students to take away from working with me it is exactly that it's that the triggers the low points the negative emotions are in a way like your greatest gifts. Like mm -hmm. that is where the magic really is, you know? And I think that's so true. And like the analogy I give to this is, you know, we have these ups and downs. We've kind of been talking about that, right? Highs and lows. And one way you could think about, think about it is expansions and contractions, right? The contractions being the low points, the struggle when things are not going well, when you're feeling negative emotions. And I think what people don't realize is when those contractions happened, that's when the actual growth is happening. And if you move through that con contraction with intention, if you're aware, if you're curious, what is triggering me? What is this negative emotion? If you can be in that contraction and see it for the gift that it is and do the work, that's what creates the expansion, which is the growth, the good things happening and all that you want, right? And each expansion is followed by another contraction as long as you want to keep growing. So to understand that if you want to keep growing and right now you're in expansion, there will be another contraction. And that's a good thing because the work you do in that contraction will create an even bigger expansion. And so to me, growth is this like constant process of like contractions and then expansion, contraction and bigger expansion. And yeah, so that's kind of like where this idea comes from that like triggers and negative emotions 
are really, really powerful. Can you go into how growth actually looks like an upward spiral too? Because that's something I, I, it's kind of related because I thought like, okay, once I do this course, I'll be totally healed and then I'll be perfect. (laughs) And then, but what I've realized is, oh, like, no, it's, it's this lifelong being triggered, fixed, uh, learning more about myself, being triggered, learning more about myself. Yes. And like, so the spiral is kind of another um, visual that I use, right? So you can use the contraction expansions, but my favorite is the spiral. And what I mean by that is that growth and change is actually cyclical. So as I was saying, expansion, contraction, that's a cycle, right? But it's cyclical. And it's cyclical in the fact that, you know, there's kind of like an order to it. There's a science to it. There's also like an art to it. And as we're growing, we're doing the work, we're doing the work. And we often come back to a similar struggle, problem, low point, right? And I think often when people come back to that low point, they're like, oh, I was doing so much work. This isn't working. I'm back where I started. They feel like it's a circle, right? Mm-hmm. When in reality, it's, it's circular, but it's a spiral because every time you come back to that low point, that familiar problem, and let's be real, most of us, when we come to a low point, there's like a familiar theme. Like we tend to have themes of struggles, mm-hmm. right? When you're coming back to that familiar problem, struggle, whatever, you're coming to it from a slightly higher perspective. You're not actually coming back to the exact same point. So it's not a circle. You're coming back from a slightly higher perspective. And because of that perspective, you can use that to be like, hmm, I see something a little different here. And you could extract the information that you're seeing with this new, slightly higher perspective in this difficult moment and use it to then drive the next cycle of your growth to say, oh, okay, yes, this feels familiar, but I see something that I didn't see last time, something I could work on, something I could refine, right? And now that becomes the seed that is going to kind of lead the next spiral of your growth where you're going to be doing work. And then again, come back to a familiar point, now again at a higher point. And so it creates this upward spiral and it's cyclical and ongoing. Like as long as you are breathing, you are going to be growing. That's what you're here for, to change and grow and evolve, right? Change is the only thing that's guaranteed. And so this work is ongoing. It's continuous. It's not one and done. It's something you're doing constantly. And your low points are really what's driving that, you know, they start that new level, that new loop on the spiral. And the low points are oftentimes caused by like triggers and things like that, right? Exactly. So often we'll be doing the work where, you know, doing everything we need to be doing, changing our behaviors, blah, 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 or whatever it is. And then something will come up. You'll, you'll, a familiar trigger will come up, uh, a pain point, a challenge. And you feel like, oh my gosh, this interrupted my growth. Like I was doing so well and now I messed up. So it often feels like failure. It feels like a relapse, right? But it's not. It's coming up to be like, okay, you've done great. But now I want you to see where there's a, you could refine a little bit, where there could be a little bit more work. That's why that trigger, that low point really happens to show you, okay, there's some more that we could do. And now that's going to guide the next loop and the next loop with every loop you're growing and you're getting higher and higher and higher. And that's actually beautiful. Triggers are kind of tricky though, because they're the things that like kind of, from my experience, they're the things that like I want to run away from or that embarrass me the most. Like the things that at first when I was working with Masha, I was like, I don't know if I want to say this because I don't want her to think like I'm a bad person or think like X, Y, Z about me. Um, But I realized when I would catch myself saying that, I'd be like, oh no, then it's definitely a trigger and it's something I need to work through. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. And I would never think that about you, especially (laughs) in general. It's like, that you're absolutely right. That's how you know when there's this like fear and shame of like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't share this. This means I'm bad. It's like, oh, 
who I'm saying that I'm judging that that means there's something within me that is unhealed around this. Right. And like, you know, I, we use that word as if everyone knows it. like a trigger is a cue of danger to your unique nervous system. So we all have different triggers because we've all had different life experiences and struggles and pain points. Right. And so our triggers are related to our wounds. Right. And when I say wounds, I mean, you know, in the same way you have an external wound, right? We develop internal wounds from painful experiences and traumas as we go through life. And they're just as painful as the external wounds. They're just internal and you can't see them. And so what a trigger is, is someone, something, some situation kind of pressing on this internal wound in the same way that if you have an external wound, right? Like I always give this analogy because I think it's so simple, but it makes a lot of sense. It's like, if on your right arm, you had just an opened cut, mm. right? And on your left arm, you didn't, right? If I poked your left arm, you know, you'd be like, what are you doing? But like, you wouldn't scream. There wouldn't be like a major reaction. Be like, okay. But if I poked your right arm right into <laughs> that wound, if I stuck my finger into that cut, you would get really loud, right? And it would be disproportionate to the poke. Like the actual pressure of the poke wasn't the problem. The problem was that you had a wound there. That's what a trigger is. A trigger is like some situation, some person, something presses on this internal wound and your reaction seems really exaggerated Mm -hmm. because it didn't match the pressure of the the prick, right? But in reality, it's saying, oh, there's, there's a massive wound there that needs to be healed. And so when you're triggered, it's revealing this wound to you that otherwise you wouldn't have seen, you wouldn't have known about. So that's why it's so important to be like, oh my gosh, this is showing me something about myself. And in this moment, when I can see it, I can actually do something differently. I could give myself a healing experience because all the other time that wound is like not accessible to me. There's like a bandaid on it and I don't really know what it is or what it is. And I think something that's so interesting that I learned from your course in terms of triggers is that I also used to think triggers, responses to triggers looked a certain way. But what you really taught me is that Remember how we always say, like, um, the state dictates the story, is mm-hmm. it? The, the state yeah. tells story the story. follows state, yep, exactly. Oh, yeah. So basically what that's saying is, like, so to give some background um, with the three states, you, you can fact check me on this now. So we have I, our... You're like being tested. You're used to being tested. I know. This is, <laughs> this is like a test now. Um, so we have the ventral state, right? And ventral is when we're, like, at our best, feeling expansive, um, not being triggered, not being triggered by anything, right? Is, is yeah. that how you we just feel mental? safe? Like yeah. we feel safe and needs are met. Needs are exactly. And like the biggest characteristic of ventral is connection. We stay oh, safe yes. through connection with ourselves, with other people, maybe even higher power, whatever that is for you. But connection is accessible because you feel relatively safe, right? And maybe like that's what we need to feel safe is just that connection, right? I feel like that that was a lot of my patterns was all I want. All, all I was really seeking in terms of safety was actually connection. Um, so that's ventral, right? And so, but then there's the next two states, which are sympathetic and dorsal. Sympathetic is the step below ventral. And that's basically where if I get triggered, I notice my thought patterns in sympathetic state are like, okay, we still got it, guys, but we got to ramp things up. I got to do more. I got to be more. My goals are very like... Um, not necessarily like authentically aligned. They're more supporting that narrative that if I do more, then I will be more loved. They're not supporting a healthy narrative. Whereas that, so that's the next day that's sympathetic. And then dorsal, when I get triggered to dorsal, it's, it's almost the opposite. Instead of be more, do more, it's, there's no point why even try. Right. And is that how we would describe it? 
That's exactly it. So sympathetic, we're staying safe by taking action. So we're trying to do as much as possible. And then our story, our narrative is, I need to do more. I need to be more. I'm not enough, right? It's like if you were running from that tiger, your mind would be saying, do more, do more, run faster. How do you stay safe, right? It's about doing and it's about nothing is enough. There's like a sense of scarcity in that state. Again, if you were running from a tiger, you no matter how much you wouldn't feel safe, right? It's more, there is a sense of scarcity, right? And then in dorsal, it's we stay safe by immobilizing. So instead of taking actions, taking no action, which often looks like there was no point. It's mm-hmm. nothing's gonna work, and then you're. It wasn't gonna be like me. That. What? Yeah, exactly. Like this, it's always, it's never, and there's just like no energy in the body. Your body's just shutting down. It's basically playing dead. Um, and so, yeah, those two states are very different, and the thoughts and the stories and the narratives are different. And I think most people don't realize the second is also you getting triggered, but actually you getting really triggered. I thought that was just my normal state. I thought I was just a motivated, high achieving person. And then from this course, I'm like, oh, I was just sympathetic and making like all of these um, like lofty plans to change myself and things like that and sympathetic. But why is it? So I'm curious, why is it that certain triggers send me to sympathetic whereas others just send me straight to dorsal? Like what's the difference between those? Yeah. So the way I think about it is like, so you described it perfectly. There's a hierarchy, right? It's like a ladder and you moved down the ladder when you were describing it. And so it's at, at the top of the ladder, we feel safe. As we start to move down, there's a threat. So you're nervous, like something's off. I got to take action. I got to try to run, hide, do whatever to protect myself. Right. And then the other, the, all the way at the bottom is there's no point. I'm not going to run, get away from this tiger. I'm just going to be eaten. Just give up, play dead, give in. Right. And so the difference, sometimes something send us into sympathetic, something send us into dorsal. It's just how much of a threat our nervous system perceives it to be. Oh, okay. Right. So sympathetic is kind of like dangerous warning. You know what I mean? Whereas dorsal is just like, that's it. It's done. Full on danger, life threatening. I don't know if we're going to get through this. And you interpret that differently based on your past experience, right? right? So, you know, depending on what the trigger is, if it's someone raising their voice at you, if for you that was like incredibly dangerous, there were some very intense traumas that happened, you know what I mean? You might go into dorsal. If that, you know, it does remind you that did happen to you, but you were able to get through it, you had to also get loud, you might go into sympathetic. So it basically is like how threatening was that situation in the past to you? Was it extremely threatening or just like a little threatening, right? Where is that on that scale? Big T, little T, tra- mm-hmm. like big T, little T trauma? Maybe. It could both be little T trauma okay. that could send you into it, to be honest, okay. right? Either one. And the other piece is also in the past, how did you stay safe in that ah, situation? Okay. So if in the past, let's say when someone raised their voice at you, you got big too, and you had to like really stand your ground, you might go more sympathetic. Let's say maybe that was the norm in your family. Everyone kind of like raised their voices. And so like, you know, you have to get a little louder if you want to be heard. And so when someone starts raising their voice, you notice that in yourself as well. Or like if we're talking about conflict here, really, how you responded to conflict, right? Or if in your family, if someone raised their voice, you better not raise your voice Mm -hmm. because bad things would happen. Then your nervous system's like, nope, play dead. Don't take action here, Mm -hmm. right? So it's really based on your past experience, how dangerous it was and how you stayed safe. Okay. Because this kind of goes into what we kind of mentioned is our protective parts. Yeah. Our protector mechanisms, right? So if in the past you would protect yourself when someone, when there was conflict or someone raised their voice by getting loud, you might more be more in sympathetic, that fight or flight. 
if in the past you protected yourself, your protective mechanism when someone's raising their voice was to get really quiet, to avoid conflict, to shut down, to leave, mm-hmm. you might go into that. I feel like learning all of this really gives me a lot of like a lot more empathy for people because I feel like we jump to label people as like, oh, they just shut down whenever people fight or like, oh, they're just hot headed. And now I'm like, oh, no, it's because like there are people, too, with their own stories and functioning out of their own dysregulated nervous systems. It's it's so true. I think it gives so much more compassion for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Which is why we did the befriending phase where I think like we have that compassion. We can understand ourselves and work with that to create change. Mm-hmm. But you're so right. I think it gives so much more compassion to other people. And especially like on my end, working with clients, like I can't tell you how many clients I've had who come to me. One client really comes to mind. He came to me and he's like, really nice guy. I had a full conversation with him. And he's like, I'm kind of an ass. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I don't think you are. Like, you've been so nice. You've spoken about your family. Like, I don't see it. And he's like, yeah, I could just get so heated. I could raise my voice. I can kind of be a little disrespectful. And when I worked with him, like we just realized, oh, that was his trauma response because of certain things that happened. Actually, because he was such a people pleaser and he takes prioritizes people over himself. And every once in a while, his nervous system is like, what about me? And that's where he gets a little bit heated or triggered. But like it just it's so interesting to me how we make that mean something about who we are. Of like, oh, I'm an asshole. Mm-hmm. I'm not a nice person. Or we make that mean something about other people. Mm-hmm. Like that just couldn't be further from the truth. Like who you are when you're dysregulated is not is not really who you are as a person. Right. That's like an armor you put on to protect yourself at the end of the day. That's basically all it is. I feel like the downfall of humans being so like like probably in the early ice ages, like finding meaning out of things was what made us top dog. It helped us fight the saber tooth. It helped us find food and survive. But I think that's just really tough because nowadays it's like we don't need to find meaning for everything. Like sometimes like the meaning you're assigning is actually misaligned. A hundred percent. Right. Like your brain wants to create this cohesive narrative, but that narrative is almost holding you back because that narrative is kind of distorted, you know, and then I think it holds you back. And by the way, it goes the other way, too where we almost like used even like what I'm teaching now mm-hmm. and I have to talk about this all the time is like this is an explanation but it's not an excuse oh okay I like that right that's for ourselves and other people and so I you could even see how people like misinterpret that a lot of the time of like oh well you know they're this way because of so and so it's like yes that is true and I want you to have compassion but that's not an excuse to not have boundaries right Or even towards yourself of like, well, I am this way because of, you know, my childhood trauma. It's like, yes. And that's not an excuse to not take action on it. Right. And to not hold yourself accountable. This actually makes me think about something that another, my mind was blown many times during this quote, during the course. Um, But something that really made me stop and be like, oh shit, I never thought about this is goal setting in terms of our states. Right. So like we went over the three stages, the ventral sympathetic dorsal. And we talked about how like, triggers can send us into those different levels depending on the state and how we said the the story follows the state depending what state you're in your goals will look different too right can you go into that yes absolutely and I think this is why I love teaching the nervous system stuff for creating change in our lives because I just think most people don't realize what a how much it's impacting every area of your life even areas of your life that you think are somehow exempt 
like your work, your goals, right? Like we're like, no, that's separate. Yeah. My nervous system, <laughs> what I'm doing in therapy and coaching, that's completely different. It's like, actually it's not, and you need to be aware of it. And so what I, what you're talking about with the goals is that, okay, we have these three different states and we're saying that depending on which state you're in, how you see the world, like the lens through which you see the world is completely different, which is why your stories and your narratives are different. When you're feeling that sympathetic, you're, I'm not good enough, I need to do more, right? Versus when you're dorsal, you're like, what's the point? I'm not going to get it anyway. I'm a loser. You know what I mean? All those negative, you see yourself drastically differently. But that means you also see your goals differently. And the mistake that I find a lot of people making is that they'll set goals in one of the dysregulated states. And then they start working towards it and they either don't achieve it because they have no motivation or they do achieve it and it doesn't feel good. And they're like, what's wrong? It makes you feel worse. Exactly. <laughs> that one is way more dangerous because then you're like, oh, well, I've done everything. Guess I'm never going to feel better. Yeah. Right? Like I think that one is substantially more dangerous. And what's actually happening is that your goal is going to look very different in each state, right? And it could be something simple, like a goal in your business to make, to make money, to make money in your business, right? If you're looking at that situation through the lens of sympathetic, that go, 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 take action, I'm not enough, your goal might be very, I need more. There might be a lot of scarcity in it. There might be a lot of comparison mm. of like, they're doing, I need to do what they're doing, right? Like, that might be the whole goal. And so every time you a, think about it, it might feel like a little disconnected, but also every time you think of that goal, you might start to get triggered, yeah. right? So if you yeah. set that goal of like, I need to do this massive amount of money and I need to be better than this other business, right? Every time you come back to that goal, you're going to get a little triggered and dysregulated, which is actually going to get in the way of you moving towards that goal. Because when you're dysregulated, prefrontal cortex goes dark. It's just not online. That's the part of your brain responsible executive functioning. So long-term decision-making, all of those really important things in business kind of offline. And then people are like, I don't know why I'm struggling so much in my business, right? But now let's say you try to set that goal and you were in dorsal. It might be, I'm never going to make it. What's the point? I don't even know if I want to set goals or I'll set a goal that's really small or, you know what I mean? Again, just a completely different view of your goals versus if you looked at that goal through a ventral lens where you feel safe, where you feel connected to yourself, where you feel connected and supported by other people, that goal might look different. The goal might be more about what you want for your business. What wouldn't feel good to you? How you want to serve people, right? What would support your life? What you consider to be successful? It's going to be much more oriented towards you and what's true to you and towards serving people. Whereas in the other states, it's oriented towards keeping yourself safe. It's all about other people and keeping yourself safe from other people. It's not really thinking about serving other people. And it's not really thinking about like what's true to you. Mm. This is another example of why things have never worked. Because in the past, I've listened to like all the self-help podcasts about like goal setting, right? They'll be like, be specific. In school, they taught us like how to make smart goals. It's like, uh, what is it? Like uh, specific, measurable. I forget what the rest are. Like, I know, I like, always forget. I don't know. There's time. Yeah, time. Right? It has to be very specific. So, like, if you looked at my journal of goals before, it would be like hit this many podcast listens and subscribers by this date. I challenged myself last night in preparation for this podcast because I realized I was like, my goals recently have been sympathetic. So then I was like, okay, what would Ventral look like? And it honestly took me a second because in my mind, I was like, if my goals aren't numbers, like, what even are they? It was hard for me to conceptualize. So I'll give the example with my podcast for the ventral goal. I decided Please. instead of leaning into like streams, subscribers, whatever that, whatever that is, 
I think what my eventual goal was like to be someone's comfort podcast, to know that I'm like serving my community and help my community serve their community, Some, something to that extent. I love that. And you see like it's so different than numbers because the numbers are like about you and really based on something arbitrary, yeah. right? Like, oh, this is a high number because this girl had, you know what I mean? This other podcast had this number, right? right? Like how else did you come up that number? You must have compared it to someone else. Right. Whereas like this goal sounds like it's more about like you serving other people. And right. Like when we're in ventral, the question we always ask ourselves is almost like if I felt safe, Mm -hmm. if I felt like things are possible, if I felt relatively in control, what would the goal be? Which is probably different than if I feel completely all over the place, I lack stability, what would the goal be? And so it sounds like for you, feeling capable, feeling safe, the goal would be I would serve other people. And I would really think about how I want other people to feel. And I guess like I wonder if you're feeling like that goal is better is a better compass for your daily actions than the original goal that might have been, like, I'm guessing, like, numbers, money, right. listens, downloads. It's a better goal, but to be honest, it does cause me some discomfort, actually, because it's it's difficult for me to conceptualize what that looks like, right? So then I, because I set that goal, right? I'm like, be someone's comfort podcast. But I'm like, but how would I know unless they told me in a review? You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know how to measure this. And I think that's a really important thing to think about, of, like, what would be a metric of this? yeah. What would be a metric? Is it the feedback you're getting? Is it how you feel after you record a podcast? But like where I do think it could be helpful, Mm -hmm. just like a thought is it could probably direct the kind of content you make better than a number of listeners. Oh my gosh, I love that. I need to like sit and think about this because that, because that would really change everything is to start from like the type of content I'm creating with that. Exactly. It's like, so I, you can't control like the reviews. how other people yeah. and the reviews and like whether you get them, like we can't base it on that. That can't be our metric, but it could be like, I think about goals as a compass, not as a destination. They're just giving direction to your actions. And so if you want other people to feel comforted, okay, what kind of content do you think would make your audience feel comforted? Okay. And like, think about it. If you made all your content, like we're just thinking big picture, if all of your content was with that goal in mind and you kind of judged it by that of, do I think this supported and made my audience feel comforted? Okay. I like that. Over time, there's no way it doesn't take you in the general direction of becoming that podcast. Now, along the way, you're going to hold yourself accountable. You're going to listen to feedback. You're going to see how things are performing, but like your compass is still being this kind of podcast, giving your audience this kind of result. You're just moving in that direction. That's not necessarily the destination. By the way, your goal might change as you kind of adjust. You're like, oh, I could refine it. I could say maybe a more specific word than comfort, whatever that might be as like you move. Does that make sense? Totally. I think that too, maybe we could look at it as like, I for I kind of thought like, okay, I should be ashamed of my sympathetic goals. But instead, I think it's more like, okay, have your ventral goal be your goal to give you direction. Use your sympathetic goals as like tools. Like you can use them as tools to see how you're doing. Like it doesn't mean never look at your numbers. It just means don't assign so much direction and worth based on those numbers, right? I would almost say yes. It's like, I just wouldn't want you to use those numbers as a compass. Because, okay, let's kind of like do a side by side. If your North Star, your compass, is a number of downloads, okay. you the actions you take, if that's your North Star, 
are going to be very different than the actions you take if the North Star is serving your community and being this podcast to your community. You know, you might kind of do whatever you need to get that number. Now, your kind of actions are going to be determined by getting the number. It doesn't always matter what way, just getting the number is the ultimate goal versus serving your community is the ultimate goal. And that's where I think that those numbers are not helpful, like a promotion at a job, a weight on a scale of like, it's not concrete enough. It's just like very arbitrary and it's actually not connected to our truth and not connected to the people we're serving. And it's going to make your actions different. Like the actions I'm going to take to become someone's comfort podcast are going to be different than the actions I'm going to take to hit a certain number or something like that. A hundred percent. And like the energy you put Uh, into it is different. This is something that I think about a lot in my own business, especially early on of like, yes, you know, money is important. We're not saying that it's not important. We're not saying to use that and check in on that. And like, no, but if that's the North star, how you build your business is so different. So then if you find yourself then making these, I'm like, I want to find a way to make these sympathetic goals useful. So the thing is, I guess if you notice yourself making more sympathetic leaning goals, then maybe that's like a good sign. Like, okay, I'm in a sympathetic state. Let's, let's see, like use that instead of using it as a tool, just use it as a way to mark where you are in your states. A hundred. That is exactly it. It's like, there's, there's no shame around being sympathetic or it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Absolutely. But like one, it's giving you information about how you're feeling. So it means, Oh, I probably need to get regulated. I probably need to either get support, go for a walk, like do something in the moment to get a little more regulated. But then what I do is I come back to, okay, what truth is that once I'm more regulated and I could look more clearly at that situation, something was triggering me. So is it that I'm worried about money right now? Is that that feels unsafe? Is there something that's bothering me in my life? Is there something about my business right now that just doesn't feel good or I need to change and I'm not changing and I'm avoiding? So then I kind of use that as like, okay, there might be something here that I need to look at a little more objectively to see what it, what is the issue. Mm-hmm. And I could use kind of extract that. Am I worried about something? Am I ignoring something? Do do I need to think about money a little more? What is it? Does that make sense? Totally. I think as we're talking about like the states and the goals, it's kind of making me think, when, or when I notice I'm in dorsal state making goals, I feel like I just don't make goals because I feel like I there's no point. Yeah, I think that's for most people, that's exactly what happens. They don't make goals. They avoid making goals, right? Or they make their goals super vague. Oh, And just like another kind of goal of like, "Eh, I just, you know, get healthier. You know what I mean? So like, I think that's also a sign that we're in a little bit of dorsal or just feeling hopeless. And I will say like, again, like sympathetic versus dorsal, it is really important information about how we're feeling about ourselves, Mm -hmm. even more so than the business a lot of the time. You know, if we're talking yeah. about business, like if I'm very sympathetic, like or I'm very dorse, like maybe I'm not feeling so great about myself right now. And that's kind of coming out in my goals. And I need to kind of adjust that or maybe take some action there to address that. I never thought about how vagueness can actually be a sign of a dorsal goal. I thought it would just be nothing, but vagueness makes sense. Maybe I was actually in dorsal when I was setting my beginning goals, because I feel like I remember trying to set my initial goals and just... I got frustrated, so then I just slapped on, like, self-love. I want to have more self-love. And I'm like, sure, let's go with that. <laughs> That's kind of what I see. I just see that dorsal gets very vague. Yeah. And, like, kind of like a nothing goal, but <laughs> just write something down. Yeah. And then sympathetic gets very specific, but very obsessed with metrics. And there's, like, an element of scarcity in sympathetic. Or there's either scarcity or, like, comparison. I need to be like them. I need to be like this business, like this coach, like this 
blank. Okay. And so I find that to be very, very common and sympathetic versus dorsal. Whereas again, ventral is just more about like what's true to me, what feels good to me, what kind of life do I want for myself and how do I want to serve other people? So a connection to self and a connection to others is more present. Again, that becomes the North star. Now it doesn't mean that in the process you don't do other types of work and you're just like focused on the goal, but that's the North star. That's what's directing your actions. You might still check in on your finances as you should, But again, the North Star is how do I serve people or how do I create the life that really matters to me, not the number. Right. The number might be like one of the many metrics, but again, probably not even the most important if the goal is serving other people. It's like arbitrary. Like, like I like how you put that because it's like, well, it doesn't really change how I'm going to proceed with my actions or anything. Yeah. And by the way, like sometimes we could have like a, a number goal coming from ventral mm-hmm. of like, you know, I really decided, like, I think I'm capable of this. Like I want this number and I really want to reach it and I want to serve people or I want this number because I know the kind of life I could create. If I do this, my partner and I could buy a house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there, there's more intention that's true to you behind it versus like, well, that's what other, you know, businesses are making. So I need to make this amount of money or that's the number they're getting. So I need to make that. It's right. not oriented. You're not using yourself to orient. And it's not like like I will be nothing if I don't achieve this. Exactly. Exactly. There's none of that because in ventral, we feel safe and capable. So it's like, okay, I'll be okay. I feel safe. Whereas like, oh my gosh, if I don't, the world is crashing. Right. Oh my gosh, I love that. Masha, I don't know how this happens. I feel like time isn't real when we talk because it just like flies I know, by. I could go forever. I know, I could literally. <laughs> exactly when. Every topic that we like go we into. Like I know, every topic we go into, I'm like, oh my God, I have so much more I want to ask and like so much more. And I just think this is so beautiful. So thank you so much. I mean, of course, if you'll come back, then like I would love to keep coming. You, oh, having you come back. Anytime. <laughs> thank you. 100%. Thank you so much. Could you leave everyone where they can find you? Yes. So the best place to find me is probably Instagram. So on Instagram, I'm Masha K. Masha, M-A-S-H-A. K is K-A-Y. So find me on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok. I'm trying to step it up on TikTok, but we're getting there. <laughs> on TikTok, I'm Coach Masha K. So same spelling, but with the word coach in front of it. And yeah, you could find everything about me there. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to DM me. Reach out. I love questions and feedback. Awesome. Thank you so much for everything, Masha.